0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Hey, what's going on, listeners? Thank you so much for listening to the Go Long podcast. Here is another edition of the Go Along Happy Hour that subscribers uh, were able to join this past Sunday night. We had Quincy Avery on. He's uh, one of the best private quarterback coaches, teachers of the position, really, in the country. And his story alone is, is pretty remarkable. He got into that, what it was like living out of his car, trying to reach any quarterback who'd listen to him on Facebook. And eventually, he was able to kind of carve out his space in the universe with this all and it's an ultra competitive space that's for sure so just some fascinating stuff from Quincy Avery he talked a lot about working with Jordan Love, Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson a couple weeks ago uh, seeing Jordan Love up close next to those guys I just thought his perspective would be really good on that whole situation and he even offered some predictions on what do you is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson so I uh, wanted to include this conversation within Uh, our podcast for everybody to listen to. And as always, you can subscribe to GoLong anytime, GoLongTD.com to get the exclusive access to these weekly happy hours. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for rating, reviewing, sharing with a friend. Um, You guys are, are what makes us go. So we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, you're the second person to join us from the golf course. So I think Ryan Leaf was on the golf course when he was on one of these, too. So you got a high bar there. I think he he drilled it right off the tee. For us all to see. So we'll, we'll see what you got. But did you just finish up? You said, Man, I'm on 18. I just hit two balls out of bounds. Uh, we were
2: even through 17, so I lost. But here we
1: are. Beautiful. Quincy, you're the man. We were just. Uh, Blown some smoke up your ass before uh, we started here. But um, no, I always love talking quarterbacks with you, football with you. You're one of the smartest people I know in the game. And um, you know what's weird though? So we connected, what, a few years ago doing that Deshaun Watson story at Bleach Report. But I don't know if we've ever actually sat down and, like, I, I don't your past, how you got to this position, how you kind of became. You know, the head of QB takeover molding a generation of quarterbacks, really. Like, I don't even know where you start. Like, you, you
2: want – how
1: long of a conversion do you want? You can go as long as you want, man. All we right, got so all I'll the time in the world.
2: Okay, cool. I got done playing uh, football at Morehouse, and I wanted to get into coaching. Um, I didn't really have any connections or inroads into the coaching world, so I'm like, all right, I'm not sure I'm going to do this. Rick Neuheisler got a the job the year before at UCLA. I figured, like, I want to go coach football in Los Angeles. So I drive across the country from Atlanta to L.A., and I go sit in the office, and I sit on, you know, when you walk in the chair, I'm right there. And Neuheiser walks in. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, "Uh, I want a job. He's like, man, that's not how this works. This is big-time college football. The next day, he comes in. I'm still here. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, I'm serious. I want a job. Finally, the third day, he comes in. And he says the same thing. I'm like, he's like, all right, if you're here, when I leave, we'll schedule a meeting. So he leaves that night, at like 8.30 p.m. or something like that. I'm still uh, sitting in the chair. He's like, all right, come come meet me tomorrow morning. So I meet with him. He found out I knew a couple of people that he knew. He's like, look, I don't have a job for you, but I'll let you volunteer. So for the next two years, I volunteered there. Over the next year, I volunteered. I got a, a paid position the year after that. On the UCLA staff, working on the Norm Chow and Neuheisel. So I got like a graduate degree in quarterback play. Learned a ton. Got to be around some really good guys. But then I I started to realize that I wanted to get in the private quarterback training space. Like I saw it bubbling. Like I saw that there was space um, for someone who did things a little bit different. And I thought that I could be that person. Um, I was probably a little bit more naive at that point on exactly what it would take to make it. Um, so I leave from Los Angeles. I drive to Atlanta and I'm like, all right, this should be easy. I just coached at UCLA. I'm about to get a bunch of clients really quickly. It took me 19 months to get my first client. So I lived out of my car for 19 months. Um, I would Facebook message guys. I would try whatever I could in order to get somebody to train with me. Um, and the way that I actually got my first client was that I, I kind of tricked Joshua Dobbs, who's now a backup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what I did was tell him I had this big elite private camp. He's like, hey, I can't make it. I can't make your camp, but can we get a session? I'm like, hell yeah, we can get a session in. I uh, We ended up doing a session. Me and him had a really good connection. And... He kind of helped me like get my career going, but it was it was 19 months of really like living out of my car, crashing on friends' couches, and pace with messaging any kid who's in the Georgia Middle Middle School Athletic Association directory, trying to trying to find clients. And what I was fortunate enough to ha- happen was, um, two years I worked with Josh for two years. He makes it to the Elite 11. Then Elite 11 comes back to Atlanta. I bump into Trent Dilfer. Trent and I are talking, um, and I, my dad had actually coached Trent Gilford with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so he gave me a chance to, to come come try out in uh, Columbus, Ohio at a regional, and then ended up getting on that staff, and that really allowed me, really my, my career
1: to kind of take off and put me in a position to
2: meet a lot of the top guys that we see um, today across across football.
1: That's phenomenal. I I never knew all that. Like, what's uh, what's life like living out of your car? Like, you're so you're sleeping you have, like in your car.
2: So yeah, sleeping in my car. crashing friends. You got a bunch of duffel bags, right? You got to organize them. Shirts in one bag, shorts in one bag. And then you got your shoes laid out. Um, but what I did have was an LA fitness membership, so it let me get a workout in in the morning, and then a shower in right after that, so I could maintain some level of normalcy, and then go hit the starbucks and get on
1: it so you've got to have just like this belief in yourself then like i mean there's i think anybody else in that position it's like holy shit i gotta go flip some burgers or do something else i mean for night you said 19 months like you've got to have a belief in you and your ability to teach the position to keep going
2: yeah what it was for me is um i'm really big on on like my words and my actions being congruent. And if I say that I really wanna do something then I have to do everything in my power to actually do the thing that I said I wanted to do. And I didn't think that it would be fair to myself to like be half in or give myself another way out. Like I got a college degree um, from like a school in Atlanta that would have allowed me to get a job somewhere. But I knew like, hey, this is the thing that I wanna do. Let me do everything that I can. Um, to really make this work
1: and joshua dobbs that was the big breakthrough then that was kind of like what got it rolling for you
2: if there would have been no joshua dobbs i'm not sure that i would be like where i am today and it's kind of like the result of like a just being in the right time in the right place but also like putting in the legwork in order to create an opportunity where you can actually be on the receiving end of what's supposed to happen
1: Definitely. Well, man, and he, here you are today. Um, and Hey, if you got to swing your golf club, please do it. No, no, uh, I'm done. I just walked up good? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you, I, I, I rattled off a few of the names, but like the quarterbacks that you've worked with the last few years, I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson, you know him so well, you're close with him, but even in addition to that, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, Fields and Jordan Love here a bit, a couple weeks ago. And, and, and younger guy. I mean, back there, we're talking high school guys, college guys. Like, how would you describe your your job today, and how many quarterbacks you're really working with?
2: I'm working with about 12 NFL quarterbacks. So I think I work with more NFL quarterbacks probably than anybody in the country. Oh, it's probably close. John Beck and I are probably neck and neck in like the number of actual guys that we work with. Um, I have a probably the largest group of college largest group of college quarterbacks out there and it's just it's cool to really grow a business not only grow a business but know that you're helping guys out and helping them really be successful and knowing that I've developed some of the I've helped develop some of the best quarterbacks in the entire country like that that means a lot to me that I'm well the thing that I want to do is help out the best people in the world live their dreams and I'm doing that
1: I mean, it's got to be competitive as hell, right? I mean, there's so many different quarterback teachers out there, many self-anointed, many that are really, really good. I'm sure there's some that aren't. Like, how do you compete against the John Becks and other guys? And and what makes you different, you think? I mean, what, what are you teaching about the position that just, just stands out from everybody else? Yeah, the, the level of competition in terms of that space is really, really high. Um,
2: and we're like... I think I do a good job of, like, finding guys early, creating really good relationships with them. Um, Because a lot – I mean, you've kind of seen how I interact with my guys. Me and a lot of my guys are like – I'm like a big brother, one of their best friends. Like, I'm there for them to help them develop as a person. But what I think that I do different than anybody else or the way that I train the quarterback position is a little bit unique in the fact that I focus 70% of my time on, like, off-schedule things. Like, how do I create a situation where guys are able to make throws um, when things are cloudy or things are not clear? And I think that's the way that the game is played right now. And a lot of the guys that I work with, that that really fits into their skill set. Like, if you watch the guys that I work with play, the things that, that we work on happen game after game after game. And I think that there's a certain type of guy that I work with that I fit with, right? The guy, maybe a little bit more mobile guys who create and extent plays, like those are the guys who i find myself again and again working with um and uh it works right so that's kind of like my niche and those guys find me and then we, we get to have lasting relationships and i'm helping them develop but um yeah it's crazy competition there's there's probably five guys that i think of in the space who really work with a lot of the top nfl guys and and we kind of battle in terms of trying to get those guys but have a pretty good relationship with most of them.
1: You guys don't want to just kill each other?
2: (laughs) Uh, Only when they're teaching bad information.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I know we've got some Packer fans in here, so, I mean, I'll let them kind of fire away, but like you were just with Jordan Love, so you can probably confirm that Aaron Rodgers is done. The Jordan Love era is going to begin week one at New Orleans. You can uh, you can lock you can lock that in here on Sunday night at 926.
2: Man, don't don't get me fired from anybody to <laughs> any extraordinary claims. But what I can say is that that was my first opportunity to really work with Jordan Love. Um, he and I have talked a good bit, but seeing the things that he can do, it it makes you aware of like why the Packers would um use a draft capital to select somebody like that in the first round. His arm is really, really strong. Um, he's really athletic, really mobile, like to be able to play in that NFC, uh, North in those cold weather games where the balls are cut through the wind. Like if you want to be successful, you're going to need somebody like that. Uh, and I think that in terms of the future, like who can Aaron Rodgers may be there this year, may not be next year, but down the line, uh, Jordan's going to be the starting quarterback for the Packers. Right. And he's going to be in a situation where I think he's going to be really successful. Um, he's going to be able to do. A lot of the things that they've seen over the past, I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of the things that they've seen, he's going to be able to carry the torch.
1: What did you guys do together? Like, what did you work on specifically and that you can say?
2: Yeah. So, day, we did two days. Day one was more on rhythm and one piece movement throws. So, what that means to me is like creating situations where getting really good at stopping our energy with our brake step putting our fifth step in the ground or whatever step, the final step in the ground so that we can make throws on balance um, and from a really good position. And then we worked on some things off of um, either just a one piece movement, like a defender attacking one spot and you making a move or just coming off a reset, right? Like number one's not initially open. And you're working through like a pure progression concept or progression with an option, but you're tying your feet and your eyes together in order to get to the next read. And then the second day, um, we were a lot more movement, a lot more off schedule, um, either throwing while still moving in a pocket style stance, so like a like a back pedal or still shuffling up in the pocket or creating space in that way. And then we did some some true off platform stuff where they really had to create space, get on the full sprint. And then the last thing that we did was um, off schedule to platform, right? So all the situations you see in a game where a guy goes from a, a full sprint. Um, and gets back on platform so that they can make a throw from a traditional base that we see time and time again. We did some of those things, so we had a uh, we got through a lot of things, uh, and it was it was really productive. Not only to work with him in that way, but it was productive to work with him around around Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson, two guys who I've worked with a lot over the last uh, few years. So anything that I was explaining, like Deshaun does a really good job explaining the guys, like how what we're working on relates to something that happened to him in the game, right? Like, oh, this happened versus Tennessee two years ago on a second down. when I escaped to the pocket left, flipped my hips
1: and threw a path down the path down the field. So Does he have a game similar to Deshaun? Like, are they similar that way? It's kind of a lofty comparison um, at this point, obviously, but...
2: Yeah, so what I would say is Deshaun may be a little bit more athletic, a little bit twitchier, but Jordan's arm um it's probably a little bit stronger uh so he, he i mean there's some trade-offs with anybody you know
1: Yeah. awesome i know jake dan we got a lot of a lot of folks in here so i'll shut the hell up and let somebody else ask a good question yeah so
3: um From your own experience, training quarterbacks and what you've observed um, from NFL coaching staffs, what would you say is the hardest thing to teach a young
0: quarterback?
2: Sam, this is a really good question. Um, One of the the most difficult things, I don't think people think about this enough, is the transition and understanding the playbook, right? And that's from the mental side of things, just because the amount of things that you're asked to know, um, the knowledge you're required to have in terms of like, pre-snap post-snap safety rotation making the checks like all right we got four a week I got to make sure I'm checking outside zone right like all those little nuanced things that those take a good bit of time but then getting guys to trust what they the hardest thing on Sundays is getting guys to trust what they see right because if you see it and you have any indecision at the NFL level you're late and then those guys are are following up and they're making a play, right? You just don't have the opportunity because you can't just have a strong arm and, and make up for things just by throwing the ball hard. That's not how it works. You got to really trust what your eyes are seeing. And, and that, I think, like physically when you walk on the field, that's the most difficult part for these
0: guys.
1: It is just a different game though, isn't it? Like it's not how they the position was taught even five years ago. Like, have you seen the game just change within the last five, 100%, 10 years?
2: A hundred percent. And you'll see that just in the way that people are playing out of the gun, right? Uh, you, we, when would we ever seen an RPO or a um, the side adjust, the things that we see like that off the run action? Like we see so much of that now. That that puts defenses in a real, real position to like stress them out, but it also puts quarterbacks in a position where they really have to use their legs if they're fooled at all, right, if there's any indecision, you'll see guys like Deshaun and all those those other individuals really using their legs to create space and extend plays. Uh, and, and coaches aren't always trying to make the perfect play call anymore, right? You used to go in the play in the huddle and you'd have three calls, right? You'd have a run one way or another way and then you'd have another pass option. And, and now it's like, all right, we, we've made a call and we think that we have a quarterback who'll help fix things um, if, if it's not exactly like we intended. So That creates a little bit of a difference in play at the quarterback position. It really puts an emphasis on having somebody who can extend extend plays. And, like, if you have a quarterback who can't get a first down with their legs, he's either not going to be in the NFL for long or he's going to be really old. Like, we're never again going to see a Tom Brady, right? And that sounds crazy because Tom Brady is going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. But there's not going to be another guy who's like Tom Brady who's going to get an opportunity to do the things that he did. (laughs) Yeah.
1: you're so you're so right and it's like you know in college you see some of these guys running around making plays and i mean johnny manziel was maybe i mean he really was the chicken with his head off just chucking it up to mike evans making mm-hmm. magic and we kind of fell in love with it but a lot there there's that but you're talking about the like it looks like that but it is kind of planned out with a lot of these quarterbacks today where it seems like they might be running around just trying to pull something out of their ass but I mean they're seeing the game on a different plane where they that it's all kind of planned out that they're, they're it's not just by accident like maybe Johnny football was once upon a time.
2: Yeah, there, there's a level of structure that they need to play with in order. So you can't repeat the level of success if you're not playing within structure. And as much as I love Johnny, like as a person and as a player, that's why he struggled, right? Because he didn't have the structure to be able to operate when it's like, okay, Johnny, here are the rules. Like you have to play within these boundaries and you got to take this throw when it's available. And then if it's not, then you have the, the opportunity and the freedom to get a little bit more creative. Like he struggled with that part. And that's why you see a lot of the other guys flourish. Like Mahomes, like when number one is open and they need to get the ball out on rhythm, he takes it. Right. And he's successful in all those different times. And then when we see the big exciting play and he runs around for 10 seconds and he throws the ball down the field, they get those big explosive plays, but It only works because on first down, he's taking completion, right? He's ahead of the chains, and they get the opportunities to really drive the ball down the field and let Mahomes be Mahomes. And and all the guys that we're talking about in terms of the upper echelon guys, that's what they've done so well.
1: Yeah, kind of related to that, um, is there any quarterback that you've uh, looked at in the past or either see now that you think man they just they just played in the wrong era right like a guy from 20 years ago who would destroy it in today's game or a guy who's trying to come in in today's game who you know is going to struggle to make a team but you know 10 years ago would have been a first round pick oh wow
2: who you're talking about so they would have been a first round pick now or would have first round pick previously
1: well, just thinking, you know, uh, you know, if there's not going to be another Tom Brady, like mm-hmm. who's a guy who 10 years ago uh, mm-hmm. would have been a number one pick, but today teams aren't looking at him or the other way around thinking Davis Mills, like Antoine Davis Randall Mills been, back in the.
2: Yep. Davis Mills would have been probably the first pick in this year's draft. Um, if, if we didn't care about that. Right. And not that he's just a horrible athlete, but he doesn't move in the way that a lot of people are expecting quarterbacks to move now at the position. But he would have been a guy where it's like, yo, boom, he, he's really good. Another guy who would have been a lot more successful later came out like maybe 10 to 15 years prior, Brad Kaya. I don't know if people are like <laughs> yeah. even remember him. Yeah. Brad Kaya like could throw the ball amazing, right? He made all the throws. He was really accurate, but he had an inability to really move well in the pocket. And he also had an inability to like escape and add value with his legs. And that didn't, that didn't work for him or at the time. So he wasn't able to be successful, but I think that if he was in the air where he had his back to the line of scrimmage and he was going hard play action to put his foot in the ground, he'd have been successful. Like he'd have had a chance to have a really long career.
1: And there's gotta be a quarterback that you look back at like yeah. 10 years ago. And you're saying, shit, if, if he, if he played now, and he was used right, like he would have been dominant. Ooh, I'm trying to
2: think. I mean, of course you can think about like a, a Mike Vick, right? Like, obviously I think that we we know Mike Vick would have been, he was a great, but he'd be even more. So like the way that we're designing offenses, he would have been a world beater for a long time or at least until he went to jail, if they were doing things a little bit different. I'm trying to think of who else would have been amazing Um, like the Randall Cunningham to the world, he was a really good quarterback, but he had to do a lot of the things, like he had to be creative on his own. He wasn't given the opportunity, like the structure of the offense that would flow and allow him to do those things. Yeah. Or like, if we think about it, like Lamar wouldn't be playing quarterback 15 years ago. And he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like he just wouldn't have had those opportunities because he didn't play enough from the structure of the pocket.
1: Where do you think Lamar's career goes from here?
2: I'm really interested to see because Lamar has played a game that has been really, and he's fairly accurate, but he's played a game that's been predicated on him really stressing the defense out and making them do things that they're not comfortable with, adding another guy to the box. And if I don't know how long he can continue to do that. he's He's avoided a lot of the big hits. So if he can do that, I think that he can be, Really good for another six years.
1: You're right. Eventually, you're going to get tagged.
2: Yeah, it has to happen. Like, you don't, you can't not get hit for everyone. So, I mean, of course, I wish Lamar the best because I think he's a supreme talent and he's so fun to watch and he makes defenders look silly even when they have, uh, and he just takes a guy out of his shoes and that's, Probably one of the funnest things in the world for me to watch, but I just don't know how sustainable that is, but I think he can continue to improve as a passer and from the pocket. I think he will.
1: First of all, I just got to point out the commitment here from Quincy Avery. I mean, he's, he's golfing. He's, he's now, he's in a car driving back. So thanks for uh, working. Go along into the schedule here, man. That's awesome. Of course. (laughs) Well, I got, I got to ask you that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. I don't want to interrupt you. It's your show man so if, if you gotta it's your it, but... show it's your show I, like I said hey fire away all right so you I know you mentioned working with
3: you know Jordan love obviously and that's where a lot of at least my interest is gonna lie on that but you said you know you've only been with him a couple times but what's like the first thing that you notice when he walks into the room say you know the first 10 minutes or so that you're with him
2: on the field or just like as a person?
3: Either one, I suppose. What did you notice first, I suppose, between those two things?
2: So, I I mean, I met him first off the field because we were at, like, a dinner, but just, like, how calm he was. Like, he was – we were around probably – so the thing that we are at is at uh, David Mulligetta. His agent had a charity event, so it was probably 30 NFL guys, like, some of the biggest names um, in the league, and just how comfortable he was in his his own skin. And I think that that's really key to being successful, right? Successful quarterback. Like you can't care about what other people think about you. And he was very much so that. And then when we got on the field, the thing that struck me the most is like, I heard he had a strong arm, but then you see it in person next to two guys with like really live arms. You're like, oh, like he can really throw the ball. Like he can really push the ball down the field and he throws the ball with energy when his feet are in a good position or when his feet are, in an awful position, he can still make all the throws. And I think that when he learns or gets in a position where his feet can be consistent every time he drops back and he has a great base and he's tied together, like he can have a really special career.
3: So you mentioned that whole thing about how he's comfortable in his own skin, doesn't care what people think about him, blah, blah, blah. Obviously at some point he's replacing a legend in Green Bay and he's not gonna be the most popular guy even with his own fan base when that happens. How much is that going to help him when he finally steps into that role?
2: I think it's imperative that you don't give a damn what other people think about you at the quarterback position. Like, and if you do, if you get caught up in the noise, because there's going to be tens of thousands of people are going to be talking shit about him on Twitter week after week, <laughs> no matter how good he plays, it's not going to be to the level of Aaron Rogers right immediately because he just won't have the reps. Like he's going to have blinders on and he's going to be comfortable like he knows that he's doing all the things that he's supposed to do, and that's all he can control. And that's going to put him in a position to be really successful.
1: You know, it's crazy. It's like, and that big arm comes up a lot with people who know Jordan. You know, you mentioned Mugaletta, and him, and, you know, one of his quarterback teammates at Utah State. All the receivers, they say how strong that arm is. And years past, you might hear that, and you're thinking, oh, well, okay, great. You can throw it through a brick wall. So what? But then you see Josh Allen in Buffalo, and, <laughs> I mean, if, if you've got like this one special trait that is going to bubble to the surface. I mean, that can get you out of a lot, out of, a lot of jams. And maybe that's something that can kind of carry him. Yeah. And I think that he's also
2: in, in like, we know Josh Allen has a super strong arm. Right. But the thing that I think made him, or, is like that running ability. Right. I think yeah. you need two real traits, right. Yeah. As a quarterback position, you need two top tier traits that are going to lo- allow you to play the game at a high level. And Jordan can also move really, really well. Like he moves at a, a high level and it's going to allow him to do some things when he doesn't know. Because there's going to be times playing your first real set of games, like he's not going to know exactly what they're doing. But his ability to move and extend plays with his legs and then his ability to drive the ball down the field will allow him to be successful early on and get to the point where he can be he can beat you with his mind.
1: Do you think... Uh... I mean, don't go too far in the weeds, obviously, but like, do you think we see Deshaun play football this year? I mean, what, any idea? Uh, and how is how's he holding up uh, right now?
2: Uh, I I expect Deshaun to play football this year. Yeah.
1: He, so he's, he's, he's
2: doing, and he's doing really well. I think I just posted a video of us working out today, but he's 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 gonna be in a good spot mentally. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen with the
1: team. Good to hear. Yeah, I mean, because before all this kind of happened, it was not the best of uh, relationships there with, with the team, right? So a lot, lot, lot of moving parts there, a lot of moving parts.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that relationship probably a little salty, so we'll see kind of how it goes.
1: Justin, a go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Derek.
3: I was just going to ask, um, what golf course were you golfing at? And then what do you think about uh, Jordan Palmer as a, uh, a quarterback guru?
0: Does he teach the right information?
2: Um, I just got done playing at uh, like Mystic Lake. I forget the full the name, but I'm out in Minnesota visiting family. I think that Jordan is a good quarterback coach. I think that Jordan's actually improved a lot in terms of the things that he's teaching recently as far as yesteryear um so i think that as anybody it's always evolution and i think that if i look back at myself and saw things that i was teaching five years ago i would be like yeah i probably wouldn't teach that anymore and i'm sure that he feels the same way but i think he's done a really good job recently in terms of getting more into the biomechanics type of things and understanding why things work the way that they do instead of like going off of, like how he necessarily felt when he was playing um, and I think that that's allowed him to be a lot better of a coach. But I think that the thing that Jordan does really well is on the mental side of things. He does a really good job helping guys digest playbooks and going through a really good philosophy in terms of allowing them to talk things together and learn a playbook quickly and efficiently. And I think that to me, that was where I saw his biggest value before It's like the mental side of things understanding it, your own playbook and then really doing a good job of understanding the
3: defenses and what they're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, Quincy, going back to that, like you mentioned, that mental side of things, just processing the playbook. How do you think that's helped Jordan just kind of having a year off, even though it was a COVID off season. So obviously he couldn't benefit it from it, from it as much. Yeah. How do you think that benefited him from that mental side of it?
2: Were you talking about Joe love right there?
0: Yeah, yeah, sorry.
2: Well, this is one of the trickiest all seasons in, and I think that it made it pretty difficult in terms of, like, navigating it. But having the opportunity to just be around guys, the thing that I think that helped the most was just him having all of OTAs by himself. There's no Aaron Rodgers. He takes all the one reps. And I'm not sure if you guys know this, but, like, in the NFL practice – No one's really concerned about anybody at the quarterback position other than the starter. They coach the starter and you just hope to learn things through osmosis. Like you're there, you're around it, maybe get some information, but that room is built upon how do we make the starting quarterback better? And at practice, how do we revolve things around the starting quarterback? So you may only get two passes in, in team period and for like a week. Right. So you're not getting a high number of like reps and you're taking a lot of scout team reps. So it's not even your offense. So I think this was a monumental off season and he really, really needed that. And I'm really interested to see if like Aaron goes to camp or not, because if he doesn't, those are going to be three weeks that are going to be really, really helpful for his career.
1: What do you think is going to happen? Like, what's your guess? If, If it even is a guess. Um, i heard some really interesting things. Now it seems like it's
2: leaning toward Aaron's going to come back. So I don't know. Before it was, I was hearing some from people like who are really in the know, like he might just hang up the cleats like he was fine. But so we'll see. I kind of heard two things in the opposite directions. So I'm interested to see how it plays out.
1: Same here. I mean, for a while, it's, it's been, he's dug in, right? Like he's willing to be fined whatever you want to find him because shit, he can, he can pay for a house in cash, millions and millions of dollars. Like, and this is principled in his mind, but you, you think the tide might be turning a little, you, you've heard that it could be turning. what was that last part? I
2: didn't hear the last word.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Connections getting a little wonky. Um, uh, no, I was just saying, like, I've, I've kind of heard a lot of that same stuff and down the lines of like, he really is dug in and he doesn't want to play for the Packers unless people are fired. Uh, but you've heard like that maybe that tide is turning a little like it could he could be playing. Yeah, I mean, I think the phone broke up a little
2: bit, but I think I heard, Yeah, I think George. Jordan- Sorry, I got a call, but um, I think Jordan has an opportunity to, like, when he does get on the field, and he'll probably play at some point this year. Like, whatever happens, like, he's going to get on the field, and he just has to be ready, and that'll give him the opportunity to have a long, long career in, in Green Bay Yeah, um, last long time, and then we just hope that he has people around him to allow him to be successful.
1: Aaron definitely was messing with the connection there, right? Right when you're gonna like dive into everything you've heard is when it started getting a little shaky. It
2: got a little tricky, and then it just <laughs> came right back. It's wild how that works.
1: <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, it's crazy that it's gotten to this point where what, ten days away, something like that till training camp starts, and we still don't know. Like we don't know. But
2: and it's I, I think that the way quarterbacks are treated, especially the top tier guys. Like, GMs are going to realize, like, they don't have the power to just do things without having real conversations with these guys because they mean a lot more to a team than they do. Um, and we encountered that same situation in Houston. Like, that's what made Deshaun dig his feet in in that way. Like, lack of communication with people who are the most important people to an organization does not work well. terms of success and i know that these guys get paid a lot of money but it's also like their legacy on the line like guys who really want to be great and want to win super bowls like those are the guys who care about what's going on in their team and these guys not communicating with them in a way that allows them to at least have an opinion or at least give them the feeling that they have an opinion it's not going to work and i think that it's going to continue to change and we'll see even more of it it might even become really nba-ish right like where these star quarterbacks are making a lot
1: more decisions than we know. It could. I mean, I think they're different situations. I mean, you look at that Houston roster versus that Green Bay roster. I just I know, and you know, I, I see your point there, but just when you look at the teams and uh, I don't know, I, I feel like Aaron's situation is a little different than Deshaun's. On the field, on the field anyways.
2: For sure. Aaron, Aaron was in a situation where his team was still really good. And they're going to have an opportunity to win an NFC championship and a Super Bowl, for sure. But also, I'm like, I don't just want to, like, have to be doing it all on my shoulders. I know he has a really good receiver. Like, why not put all the pieces around him? Like, the window's so short in the NFL in terms of winning a championship. Why not do everything that you can every time to uh, be the quarterback and put the guys around him? And then guys that he likes, who are the fifth, sixth receiver on the roster? they should probably just be on the team because Aaron Rodgers wants them on the team. And that's how things work because it's not worth enough money to really piss them off. Like those are the things that guys should think about. Not necessarily like just who's a GM or who we're hiring, but like, Hey, Aaron, what makes you enjoy coming to work more every day?
1: I mean, Jake Kumro took his one reception right here to Buffalo. You know, it could have had that catch in green Bay. Like that's, that's what you're getting at. 100%. <laughs> But there is a certain degree of just needing to keep a guy happy—is your point? Which, hey, that's okay. I can see that. A lot of us have wives and girlfriends in the here. I'm
2: sure. And like, sometimes you just gotta take one on the chin to keep them happy, and that's what you do with the guy you're paying thirty-five million dollars.
1: Which that's why Seattle's so interesting because Ross Russell Wilson. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, you hear different things. It sounds like maybe. He was pretty unhappy. I mean, he wanted some personnel control. Maybe he wanted Sierra kind of around a little bit more. John Schneider's like, all right, I'm done with this guy. Pete Carroll's like, absolutely not. And he wasn't willing to, like, tarnish his brand. So he just kind of swallowed his pride and is still the quarterback. I don't know if he burned anything there, but it, that's another interesting case. I'll be more mute on that one just
2: because I probably have way too much nausea. I don't know, like, what I should thing
1: what i should so i'm gonna just leave that one alone all right i mean if you i mean you can you can let it rip you know it's it's fine i'm sure but. i'm
2: sure i'm sure yeah no, i'm pretty <laughs> tight with his quarterback coach i'm like nah he's, I'm, that one i'll stay out of
1: okay all right fair enough fair enough man well hey any anybody else got anything here uh before we uh close it up
3: yeah, absolutely i'll throw one out there real quick if you have time for one more definitely Okay, so I'm a Bears fan, clearly a big uh, Justin Fields fan. But if you're a Bears fan, you're born a defensive guy. Um, Clearly, uh, NFL offenses and the quarterback position in particular are the sport's greatest innovators. But uh, do defenses deserve any credit these days uh, for innovating in the game? uh who are you sort of giving flowers to on this topic who are there any defenses that deserve
2: credit for innovation so I really like the way that so when you watch the Rams play and and this may be a product more of personnel than and scheme but I think the scheme is really sound too but the way in which they use two eye coverages and still do a really good job in the run game and that might just be from Aaron Donald right like He's such a menace that it makes it hard to do anything when he's on the field. And then you also have Jalen Ramsey, who actually absolutely dominated one side of the field uh, in terms of receiver play. But watching the things that they do in terms of the rotation and being able to have two eye coverage so you feel like you shouldn't be able to pass, but still being able to get enough guys involved in the run game, no matter who is the quarterback. I think that watching those guys in terms of what they're doing is is my favorite team to watch on huh? the another team that i I think that another team that i think they do things very very simple but they do them so well each and every player is the indianapolis colts right they're just like big they're physical and they make you just make do things a little bit faster than you anticipate anticipate it and they hit you every single time like the physicality throughout the game with the indianapolis colts is so difficult to withstand, and you see guys just like wither away at the end of the games, whether it's turnover or like a pass that should have been complete. And it's just because they did such a good job of staying sturdy and sounding the things that they were doing snap after snap after snap and hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. And then you just kind of wither away. Like I don't know if this is worth it. Um, so those are two teams that I really like for two different reasons.
3: Yeah. Do you see it the the same sort of way that defenses are always trying to catch up with offensive innovation?
2: What was that? Do I see it the same way in terms of what do you mean by that? Uh,
3: Like schematically, uh, there's no defensive scheme out there that's sort of the star of the game that's widely talked about. You have breakout stars on defense, but uh, on offense, uh, you do have
2: those schemes
3: that are kind of the star of the show um uh,
2: so I think we he, see some of it like we, we see some of the things that people are doing like when Seattle was running their one high defense and they did a really good job of on one side of the field what they would do is they would carry the seam the number two receiver and on the on the boundary side they would like what's called pass it off and switch which means the curl flat defender would pass off that that number two who's pushing vertical and he would sink inside of the um, hook curl to the boundary and that corner would play cut coverage and work and try to split the difference between number one and number two, that became a big thing. And then that's what the Atlanta Falcons ran when they went to the Super Bowl. I just don't think people care about defenses or the nuances of defenses enough to really have those conversations, but they did an amazing job of running one high. Like they ran the Chargers. that was the defense the Chargers were running. And, like there's families of defenses in the same way that run the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I just think that we don't care enough about defenses as a whole, and as much as we should. But there's some there's some families of defenses that really make it difficult on guys to on guys to be successful.
3: Derek, I got I'm it. right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Uh, having the relationships you do with some of those uh, big profile named Quarterbacks. Um, Has there, have you ever met someone through those connections that you uh, were fangirling over where you were like, oh, wow. It's a little shocked that you met him.
2: Uh, No, but I met some really cool people. Um, Like one night I was at Diddy's house and he was doing like a, he's about to release an album and he just added us over his house. But that was probably the coolest one. Like I have no business being here. Um, Yeah. So I guess I almost fangirl over that. Or oh, meeting Rihanna. Rihanna oh. was a cool one, and I tried to play it cool. Like, I didn't fan well. That was in my mind I
1: wanted to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Quincy, I think we, we found out how a, how a dude living out of his freaking car, like, with nobody <laughs> responding to a Facebook message, uh, is now meeting Rihanna and, you know golfing here on a fine sunday night so that was awesome <laughs> Thank, thanks so much man that was great and i
2: appreciate you guys having me on
1: awesome well hey we'll, we'll catch we you up soon up,
2: let's do something and i want to like go through a game we can watch some film together and i want to talk about something that my quarterback one of the quarterbacks i'm training what they're trying to do on a few different plays and how it worked out and why they're successful why they won so if you guys are down with that i would love to hop on and do that later on
0: when Just, Jordan loves to win the super wins the Super
1: Bowl. We can review that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Anytime, seriously, Quincy. Like that. That's a great idea. We should do that.
2: All right, that's a bet. We'll get it done.
1: Awesome. Hey, they thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. All
2: right.
1: that's a bet. See you guys. See you today.